guys, welcome to the More Than Mom podcast. I'm your host, MJ Cash, and your new mom BFF. And guess what? You get me without any awkward playground small talk. On this podcast, we'll be covering everything we possibly can to help you thrive in all of your roles, not just as mother, but as wife, woman, and individual with your own passions and dreams. I hope that you'll choose to continue along this journey with us as we all begin to figure out how to become more than mom. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I'm here to tell you that probably doesn't feel like it, but you are, in fact, halfway through the week. <laughs> I know all the days are kind of blending together at this point, and no one really knows what's going on, but here we are, another Wednesday, another amazing week, and another incredible guest. So right now in the COVID-19 epidemic, I feel like we're all navigating what the right next move is. (laughs) Everyone's trying to figure out at what point do we start seeing our family again? At what point do we start introducing seeing a close friend again into our lives? It's interesting, especially I feel like for those of us who have kids, which is the majority of this audience, you are constantly weighing the mental health of your child through this. And it's sometimes hard to tell because they're so dang resilient. But I know that my kids are just longing to be able to play with another human being their age again. And it's just the whole thing's just interesting. I don't know that there's a right answer. Um, I'm pretty sure that there is a wrong answer, <laughs> which would be going fully back to normal and just seeing everyone and anyone at any time but mm, it just I know me and my parents right now are having these conversations of at what point are we allowed to you know resume going to each other each other's houses again I don't and I don't know the answer none of us do but it's been this weird thing that I haven't been inside their house to hang out with them in 10 weeks <laughs> and I miss them and at some point you gotta live your life a little bit right and you got to continue to live within those important relationships so I don't have the answers guys but just like probably all of you I'm also trying to figure it out and you know hopefully we can all be safe in the process today on the podcast I have someone who I was exceptionally excited to get on. Uh, Her name is Brittany Anderson. She's local here in Nashville and she truly is like a guru of women's health here locally, Um, specifically in, in more the holistic approach to women's health. And I was so pumped that she accepted my invitation to be on the podcast. So Brittany, thank you. And I was not let down in any way, guys. This conversation is amazing. We are talking all about preconception health. And here's what's interesting (laughs) is I don't think I realized that preconception health was even a category of health prior to this conversation. Um, Let's see. Brittany talks about on here that 50% of pregnancies are not planned. Uh, That is certainly true for us. We have had three pregnancies, two of which were unplanned, and one, which would be Beckett, that I apparently 
qualifying as planned. I don't even know if I can really count it. Um, there wasn't really much planning involved after talking to Brittany. There was no, <laughs> there was no, um, there was not a whole lot of intention and preparation put in place. And I guess we, but I guess we, it wasn't an accident. I don't know. It, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because I truly, uh, I was awakened during this conversation to the fact that there are much better ways for us to approach becoming parents. And there are much better ways to, for us to approach bringing a new life into the world and doing so in the healthiest way possible, both physically and mentally and emotionally. And I think if we can make what Brittany is doing in her practice more of the standard in this world, I think we'll actually see a significant drop off in things like postpartum depression, um, divorces, and a lot of these things that honestly are impacted by a lack of uh, understanding for how to best prepare for this new stage of our lives and our relationships, right? And so I'm, I'm just super, I feel super blessed to have gotten this conversation with Brittany and I am even more excited to be able to bring it to you guys. So enjoy this and get to know Brittany, get to know some more about preconception health and get to know what the heck is Mercier therapy. So I love you guys and enjoy this week's episode. come out of this too so that's that's always nice to see you know it's always nice to see the heart of people coming out and being able to kind of put everything on the back burner for all of this craziness that's happened so far this year (laughs) yeah maybe we get a do-over time out like you know it's so funny because when all this first started happening you know there were so many memes about um you know i'm sorry 2019 for all the bad things i said about you that last year was really hard for us and i know a lot of people felt the same and then this year is just a big slap in the face right off the out the gate um so yeah it's crazy yeah I was in it and so it's it's funny because I feel like we're living very parallel lives right now like our two families because we're both still managing businesses during this time our husbands are still working during this time and we have a two and four year old which is which is its own circus um the big difference is that you're pregnant and I'm thankful that that's not also on my plate right now because <laughs> that has a lot more to it but um it's been Last year for me was a really challenging year in parenthood. Having a three and a one-year-old at the same time, as I'm sure you know, is just just a lot. It's just a lot of humans that depend on you but don't understand rational conversations yet. So 2019 was a really hard year for me just because mentally I feel like I wasn't in a good space. There was a lot. I felt very weighed down by parenting in that year. And this year I feel so much healthier. And now that this is all happy, I'm like, thank goodness I'm in a better place to handle this now. Because if this would have been last year and I would have been stuck at home with the two humans that I didn't know how to manage to begin with, um, it would have been a completely different, different story. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so Brittany, give me, for some people who don't know your background, 
And honestly, even for myself, I had a, I had a uh, interview like this yesterday as well, where the, the list of credentials to go through was like so staggering that I couldn't even, I like missed some, like, it's like nurse practitioner, I think first and foremost, um, is probably like your background as far as credentials go. But I have, again, this is all what I've read. <laughs> so it's like doula, fitness coach. Um, regional director for BirthFit Nashville and on staff with BirthFit Nashville, co-owner of Praxis Strength, preconception and prenatal mastermind. You just know all the things health-wise with that. Um, you work with Nashville Brain and Body. I mean, it's like the list that you've accumulated around prenatal and preconception health is really staggering. Um, can you just give people a lot of your background, like who you are, what your family looks like, where you're from, and just all the things that you have worked with over the years? <laughs> all the things, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and I, I want to speak to like that list of credentials, first of all. Um, I'm definitely one of those people who um, I, I really love to learn. And so, so much of, you know, the trainings that I've gone through is really just feeding my desire to grow professionally, but also a lot of it was like selfishly. Like I always really wanted to be a mom. That was always something that was... Um, important to me. I was really interested in women's health specifically. And then when I um, got into nursing school and, and got to do my rotation over on the OB unit, like I knew that is the space I really wanted to, um, to work in. So um, I'm originally from San Diego, California. Uh, I went to Indiana University for my undergrad. Um, I got recruited to play college water polo. So I uh, left. That's, legit. That's like one of the hardest sports that there is. So. But it's really popular in California. Um, so yeah, like my entire team was either from California or Canada for the most part. And both of my sisters played water polo in California. So I was the only one of my family that left the state and, mo and most of my friends as well. So that I feel like was a really um, a big step in like my journey to independence and um you know, of course, really, really pivotal, pivotal in my life. Pregnancy makes you not be able to speak clearly. Um, so anyway, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was originally a bio major and um, I have, I come from a family of nurses. So I always swore I was not going to be a nurse. And uh, I think I was in my junior year and I had changed my major like three or four times. Um, I think I had settled on anthropology, was really interested in forensic anthropology. That was back when like CSI and all that was really popular. Um, and I've always really been interested in like bones and just ancient history and all that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do anthropology and maybe specialize in medical archaeology or something like that. Uh, and then it just turned out that all of my credits aligned really well with the nursing program. So I sort of applied on a whim thinking I wasn't going to get in. And then I did. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess I got to go to nursing school now. Um, and it, it ended up working out really, really well. And the cool thing about nursing is you can really do so much with it and really specialize in so many different areas and, and decide to completely change what you're doing at any point, but you still have the nursing background, which is cool. Yeah. But I knew kind of early on in nursing school that I wanted to be a nurse practitioner because I had had a re I had really good experiences with nurse practitioners as my providers growing up and just wanted to be able to serve people in that way. And I knew I specifically wanted to work with women. So that kind of always was my, uh, my intention 
as I went through my education. And um, I graduated from nursing school in 2009 when the economy was real bad. And pretty much every hospital in the country had a hiring freeze on new nurses. Oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't get a job anywhere. I applied all over California, in Colorado, in Indiana. Um, I finally ended up moving to Hawaii because I had some family there and I did, um, I was a nurse's aide. So I traveled like all around the islands and I'd go to usually old people's homes and just kind of like feed them and hang out with them and help give them baths and just stuff like that while I was waiting for my Hawaii nursing license to come through. And then a friend was like, hey, there's a program at Vanderbilt in Nashville. Um, I know you've never been, but you should apply. So I randomly applied to, they have a nurse residency program. So it's like an eight-week program to help new nurses transition into their career. And um, I ended up doing that. It was the only registered nursing job I've ever been offered in my life. (laughs) And I got it and started my nursing career in orthopedics and urology, which is about as far away from labor and delivery as you can get. (laughs) But it was a really great, you know, learning experience. And then through that, um, I ended up going to Vandy for uh, grad school to become a women's health nurse practitioner specifically. So yeah, that was, I graduated in 2012. Uh, and during that time, I also was getting really interested because I'd, I'd worked inpatient. I knew that I didn't want to be on that side of medicine. I was really interested in preventing my patients from ending up in the hospital when possible. And uh, I worked uh, with a lot of joint replacement patients and um, I would often have people come in for a knee replacement and then I would see them like six months later to get their other knee replaced because so joint replacements will will wear out particularly if a person is uh, overweight and I remember asking one of the surgeons like are we doing anything to help educate these patients about you know some lifestyle management options so we're not just having this revolving door uh, of surgery and she's like you know that's that's a really good idea but no we don't have anything like that so that was really hard for me to hear. And so all that is to say, I decided to pursue nurse health coaching and kind of go more in that direction because I knew I wanted to be in the, in the preventative side of things. And I didn't really know where that was going to lead me, but eventually it led me to really focus on preconception health, like you mentioned. And that's sort of what I've been really passionate about for probably the last six, six years now. That's so cool. So it's, it's interesting. I didn't know you were from the West coast. I'm from Arizona myself. So this is a big move out <laughs> Nashville for sure. But, and I also was actually a, a college athlete and I feel like I always love when I can meet someone who also has that in their background, because I feel like, I feel like there's just so much that, that transfers over into professional life and, and how you approach your life forever after mm-hmm. you've grown up in sports at a high level and you just learn all the disciplines of that. And then it's like, when you get into whatever it is, whatever field you're getting into, you can't help but want to excel at the highest level in that as well. So I can see that with everything that you've accomplished over the years with, with preconception health. And um, if there's one thing I've learned in this journey of talking to so many women and so many professionals around this, you know, overarching umbrella of motherhood, it's that there is a severe lack of attention given to the health of women. And 
it's honestly, it's staggering. I mean, it's, it's just incredible to realize how much is overlooked. We've, we've talked to um, women about um, endometriosis and about um, infertility and all these things. And the, the underlying truth of all of it that they all hit on is that it was really hard for them to find answers and it was really hard for them to find um, professionals and, and healthcare professionals who were well-educated in the specific areas of women's health. Yeah. And um, that's just something that I passionate, passionately believe needs to shift in our culture. And it's always cool and it's always a really big privilege for me when I get to talk to someone who's kind of on the front lines of that shift and really working towards being able to serve women in that because it's so important. And um, that's honestly a largely what got me to start this whole platform is that I just felt like mothers, mothers cover such a large percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. It's been known forever that they are, um, there's a certain level of struggling that happens within motherhood. Everyone knows it. It's become kind of a societal joke. And yet no one's raising their hand to say, how can we help you? Like, how can we actually serve this population to make them uh, healthier? Yeah. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all those things. And yet it's so important because we're the main ones bringing up the next generation. And if we're not healthy doing so, um, it impacts the quality of, of that generation and what they're able to do. Um, so I just think that's incredible. Where do, do you feel like your passion for that field kind of stemmed originally from just like your own desire to be a mom? I definitely had a pivotal moment when I got into my OB rotation and got to witness my first birth. Like I was just mesmerized, but I think the most important experience came for me when I was in my last year of school. Um, I actually was diagnosed. I self-diagnosed myself with, uh, depression and bulimia. And I remember coming home and telling my mom and she like, didn't believe me. I was a very high achiever, you know, athlete, like straight A student. And I think it was really hard for her to wrap her head around. Like the fact that her like perfect daughter could have this kind of an issue. So I went and saw, um, our family practitioner. This is actually someone I hadn't seen before. Um, it was just kind of part of our, you know, healthcare system or whatever. And was a doctor and she kind of, I mean, I, I sat down and I just like poured my heart out. Like I'm so stressed from nursing school, like, you know, all the things. Right. right. And she kind of just looked at me with this like terrified look on her face. Like she didn't know what to say to me. And she was like, well, we can go ahead and get you started on a medication and, you know, I'll see you again in six weeks. And if you're not feeling any better, we'll change your dose. And that was it. It wasn't like, I'm going to set you up with, you know, a therapist or get you a psych evaluation or here. I'm so not even like, I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. You know, that's really hard, like nothing. Um, there was no empathy whatsoever. And I just remember walking out of that appointment feeling like completely powerless. Like my only choice in this whole thing to feel better was to take this medication and to top it all off. She was, she was like, take this medication. Cause it also has been shown to help with weight loss she says this to a bulimic, like it was was such a horrible experience. And I just remember thinking, I will never, 
ever make a patient feel the way you just made me feel. And it was really from there that um, I ended up taking the medication for like a month and I just didn't like the way it made me feel. It made me feel very flat and very almost like numb to things. So I stopped taking it and really got interested in yoga and meditation. And that was kind of my first segue into this more holistic approach to healthcare. And I think that's really where it all stemmed from. And then as I started to get more into the women's health field and just see how we are failing our, our yeah. patients, it just became so clear, like, that, you know, we need this holistic approach in women's health. And, um, and I think the reason that I really ended up focusing on preconception is first of all, that's not a big focus at all. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and 50% of pregnancies are in plan. So that happens, but this should kind of be something that is interwoven into our education. Like at, when we're teenage girls or when we start yeah. our periods, like that should just be a part of what we know. Um, we should learn more about our bodies, but when I got into clinical practice, um, actually the second place that I worked, I was seeing a ton of women for postpartum depression or what has been coined now as like postpartum depletion. So they are coming to me, usually it was after baby two or three. So they'd had multiple pregnancies and usually in a shorter period of time, because especially now we're seeing women who are a little bit older. So they have their babies closer together because there's so much pressure, like don't be an old mom, like get all your babies in while you can. Um, so anyway, you know, by the time they get to see me, they are depressed, they have zero energy, they can't function, they have no sex, like all of these things. And they've been told, oh, well, you just got to go on a medication because you're depressed. And I, you know, do some basic like nutrition, you know, workups on them, like some just let, like check their vitamin D and their B vitamins, nothing, nothing super fancy. And they have nothing. There are, they, there are no nutrient stores left in their bodies so they can function. Like, of course you feel like crap. When was right. the last time you ate? Well, I don't know if I ate today. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So I started to think, okay, if I can get to some of these women before they ever start having babies and kind of help them implement some tools that they can always like fall back on, because once you've created these habits, like even after you have babies, like if that's kind of ingrained in you, like it's, it's going to be a lot easier than trying to implement something brand new after you have this brood of children and you're so depleted and adding one more thing to your plate is just right. going to put you over the edge. So yeah. that was really how that kind of started. That's amazing. I love that. I have actually, that's been my surprise, I guess, in, in this journey. I didn't expect this journey to lead me to be passionate about, um, women's health education for youth, but that's exactly kind of where it's landed me after having all these conversations. And so it's a big, big dream of mine that once, once we progress this company to, um, you know, a point that we want it to be at to somehow, and I don't know whether it's going to be through creating a nonprofit ourselves, or if it's going to be partnering with someone else, but creating something in place for young you know, high school age women, like girls to actually learn this stuff. Because like you said, we go through like high school health class. We learn about every STD in the book, uh -huh. learn about abstinence and we're told not to get pregnant. And that is, that's health class. There's no, there's nothing to teach you like what happens when you actually do get pregnant? What does that look like? How do you take care of a pregnancy? What is postpartum depression? What's, what's postpartum actually like? Like, what are your hormones? What are they called? What, yeah. 
what is your actual anatomy called? Because I can't tell you how many people I talk to that don't know what a vulva is. And I'm like, well, that's an issue right there because you have one. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And I love that you've kind of honed in onto this preconception area because like you said, I feel like postpartum is just now for the first time starting to get um, a little bit more airtime. And we've had an episode on postpartum depression. And she said that like, when she's talked to, she now talks to, um, I think she calls them lunch and learns. Mm -hmm. She has lunch and learns with um, local doctors here and local pediatricians because they're largely who's meeting with these moms after they give birth. And obviously they have the questionnaire in place now um, where you can, <laughs> you can gauge if someone's depressed. Yeah. Um, should they choose to tell the truth on that? Right, and, that's the biggie. <laughs> that's the biggie. And um, she asked them though, she said, what happens if you get someone that, that scores off the charts with this? And they said that there's, no, that there's just nothing in place. They don't really know. They're t they basically tell them to talk to their doctor about it and then send them home with their baby. Yeah. And um, that's not proper care for someone, for a mom who, who needs to care for herself and for an infant, you know, that gets depressed. So I feel like that um, is obviously a big gap, but it's starting to get more attention as to educating women what postpartum is like so that they can be better prepared. Yeah. But like you said, I... Honestly, until you messaged me and said, let's talk about preconception, I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> what, is, what does preconception look like? So let's, I guess, start with why is it so important for women to prepare themselves and, and um, to prepare their bodies for birth and um, pregnancy? So I think one of the biggest things that I see is that, you know, when you do get pregnant, it kicks your booty. I mean, this is my, this is my fourth pregnancy, my, my third healthy pregnancy. And, um, I mean, I'm 17 weeks. I'm just now coming out of like the first trimester. Like I just want to sleep all the time and everything makes me want to throw up situation. Um, so I feel like to throw, um, all this stuff that you're supposed to do, like now you're supposed to exercise and now you're supposed to eat this way and do all these things to throw that at someone who's newly pregnant, who has not ever had those type of lifestyle interventions in place before um, is too much. It's too much to manage. So if we can implement some of these things before women get pregnant, like I said, they're building those, those are habits now that are going to be much easier to carry into pregnancy from like strictly like a physiology standpoint you know we want to build up your nutrient stores prior to pregnancy so we hear a lot about folic acid or folate being super important for neural tube development well baby's neural tube and heart are formed by about eight weeks so wow. if you don't start taking a prenatal vitamin until you're you know out of your first trimester like it's still great and important um, but we sort of missed that critical window for formation of those vital organs so I actually have all of my patients start a prenatal vitamin. Like, well, basically I just tell everyone at childbearing age, be on a prenatal vitamin because 50% of pregnancies are implanted and you don't yeah. know. But at least three months prior to conception, I do really encourage women to get on a prenatal vitamin. Um, my patients, I like to run labs on them to just see where their nutrient levels are falling and how we can kind of shift things to make improvements. So I think that 
uh, is really, really important. Um, but I also really focus, this is something I haven't seen anywhere else, um, but I really focus on the preconception health of the partner as well, because dad contributes 50% of the DNA. Uh, we actually know that the sperm or the male DNA contributes to the formation of the placenta, which is pretty damn important. Interesting. Um, and you know, what really frustrates me is all the onus is put on the birthing person to prepare. You've got to do all these things and um, you know, you've got to have the healthy pregnancy and you've got to have all this stuff in place, but it's, this is a, this is the 50, 50 deal. Like you guys are in this together. Uh, so that's what I spent a lot of time educating people about is, you know, we both partners. So dad needs to probably be on a good multivitamin. What's his stress level? Like, is he, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol or is he eating a lot of fatty foods? All of those things we know actually end up impacting the long-term health of the offspring, which is, you know, that's not something that yeah, it makes me appreciative that I have the husband I do. He's like a complete health nut and he's That's so awesome. healthy. And I'm like, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. I never even considered that though. That's amazing. And I would imagine it makes sense for, you know, people who maybe experience infertility. Obviously it's not just a female thing. That's a male thing as well. And uh, taking care of physical health, but also mental health especially considering that when you get pregnant, that's, that's a stressor for both parties. And to have that in place ahead of time can prepare that couple to be successful in, in parenting and in marriage post baby, because Lord knows that that that's its own wrench into the equation of your marriage. Well, and you know, pregnancy can like the, the birthing partner, the female partner, um, however he or she identifies, like that can feel really like isolating from their partner because they are going through all of these physical changes. Like if the partner is then engaging in all of these like health promoting activities with the birthing person, like that makes all the difference in the world. It brings them closer together. You know, both partners feel supported. And I mean, you have to be this cohesive unit to raise this baby. It should definitely start at least in pregnancy, if not before, in, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So what are some of the different, and you're hitting on a little bit right now, but what are some of the different components to even consider with, with pregnancy and birth? Is it predominantly physical with taking, you know, multivitamins and taking prenatals, making sure, you know, that you're not consuming a lot of alcohol, those kinds of things, or is this like a mental, emotional, spiritual thing as well? I think it's all the things. It's a very holistic approach. Yeah. I definitely think there has to be a mindset shift. And um, I, you know, I, I call myself a recovering type A because like you, I, you know, being an athlete and, you know, being the, the star student and all that stuff, you know, very, um, very driven to achieve and like, you know, check all the boxes. Um, that's, that's a very masculine energy, which there's nothing wrong with that. We have both, we have masculine and feminine energy within us. Um, motherhood has really called me to embrace my feminine, which is much more flow and um, a little more laid back. Uh, that's really hard for me. Uh, so what I commonly see with high achieving couples, we have to have the conversation of, is there any room emotionally for you to have a baby? Because you travel, you know, 10 days out of the month and you go to CrossFit six days a week and you count every calorie and carb that you eat and everything is so regimented. Like, where's the baby going to fit into this? 
And like, sometimes just having that conversation that just like bringing their awareness to that, like, oh yeah, like a lot of things are gonna, we're gonna have to clear space in our regimented schedule in order to accommodate this new life who's gonna completely just blow that up. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm, um, I'm not type A, so. <laughs> get that out there. First of all, my husband is, he, my husband's very regimented. That's something that I've had to, um, learn and adapt to and grow in, in order to, you know, not have it be a point of contention for our marriage. And I will say though, it's, it's, if there's one thing that I feel like, um, plays into motherhood more than anything else and in our mental and emotional health as mothers, it's the unpredictability of our children. And that becomes really hard, even for someone who's not type A. And I just want to be able to accomplish things. I want to be able to grow a business. I want to be able to work out. I want to be able to eat well. Well, that's all fairly easy to do on a schedule. <laughs> but, when, but when there's a very big, unpredictable component to your schedule, it, it can throw everything off. So yeah, I can definitely see where... where preparing yourself mentally for that when you, you can never fully understand the gravity of that prior to it happening. Right. But being able to prepare yourself a little bit and step back and say, oh, maybe not everything is going to fall in line. Maybe it's not going to be like, oh, this will be easy. Just the kid will go for a nap here. This will, you know, feeding <laughs> will be here. I can work out here. It's not yep. going to play out just like <laughs> your kid doesn't sleep for the first year of their life. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think, um, I think we don't really talk about that and, you know, just, you know, being able to have open honest conversations with your partner about like fears that you might have about going into parenthood. Um, I've had patients who came from families where, you know, their parents were alcoholics or their parents weren't present. And so they have a lot of fears about how they're going to parent and that actually keeps them from getting pregnant. And once they kind of work through that sort of like emotional block stuff, like they get pregnant. So yeah, I think it's a very, it's a very holistic approach. Um, I'm also really big. I mentioned meditation briefly i think that is of all the things that i have done in my preparation for having babies having some kind of a mindfulness practice uh, in place has been paramount because it allows me when my children are screaming and carrying on it allows me to just find my breath and not lose my crap now i'm not going to say that i don't lose my on my kids but uh but more often than not, I'm able to just like pause and empathize with them um, instead of just, you know, completely losing my temper and then just escalating the situation. And so that's a big gift for me. And I feel like a really big gift for them as well. Wow. The more that you're talking, the more I realize just how, for lack of a better word, how clutch this would be for people to learn before they get pregnant, before they have kids, because um, I didn't, I did not begin a practice of meditation until my kids were one and three. I had two of them. My life was insane. My mental stability was not there. And I was angry all the time with my children. And I am not an angry person. That's never even, anger has never been an emotion I've gone to for anything in my life. And then all of a sudden I found myself yelling at my kids who didn't deserve it at all, but I couldn't 
I just couldn't keep it down. And it was a very weird realization for me, again, not type A at all, who's been just like go with the flow with everything in life. And I couldn't implement that with my children. And within meditation was able to find that calming sense and that ability to kind of just step back for a moment from the situation and get, find my peace about it and then approach it way more rationally. And I can imagine it probably would have saved my kids some decent early childhood trauma. <laughs> I figured that out ahead of time. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, but you know, like that is, it's just nice to have those tools in place. And like I said, again, it's like if you have that skill that you can at least fall back on, you know, in pregnancy, it's not one more thing that you have to learn and right. um, not incorporate when you're already so overwhelmed from everything else. Right. Yeah, especially with something like meditation that you get better at as you go, uh, figuring out how to even begin it when there's like kids screaming in the background was, it was its own challenge (laughs) where if I could have, I could have started meditation in a quiet house. That would have been, um, that would have been probably a little bit quicker of a journey, I think. uh, (laughs) So what are some different ways and maybe resources out there that can aid and assist people in becoming their best self preconception? Well, I definitely think, especially in regards to meditation, there's so many options. Like you don't have to sit and, you know, meditate. You can uh, do some of those wonderful coloring books. You can journal, you can do a walking meditation. Cause for me, my first like introduction to meditation, like it was so uncomfortable uncomfortable for me to sit still and try to like quiet my mind. Um, so I had to, I had to find meditation more through yoga and movement. Um, and then from there was able to start more into like guided meditations, but like, there's so many apps now, um, there's headspace and expectful is my favorite one specifically for moms and the motherhood journey. Um, and you know, I think that those are really helpful. I've started that back up again, cause while I was getting really good at doing my own meditations, um, I've been really distracted with everything that's going on. So the guided meditations really help. And then about, oh gosh, it's been probably two and a half years now. Um, I really wanted to be able to support more people in preparing for pregnancy than what I could see in my clinic hours because I have a very abbreviated schedule with two little ones. Mm -hmm. So I created an online course. Um, It's called Before the Bump. And it basically goes through all the different components of lifestyle and mental health that I would review with my patients uh, in our time together. But it's, you know, a self-paced course. So anyone can have access to it and kind of do it. And that's that's kind of been uh, what I have been putting out into the world until someday I get to write my book. <laughs> awesome. You, you mean you can't find time to write your book? With right, your- right. You know, these babies just keep coming. And so it's really just like pushing my timeline back. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. And so what, what kind of things do you cover in that course? So we talk about um, exercise and specifically like where we have to make some shifts for pregnancy, there's a lot of misinformation about what you're supposed to do in pregnancy. And we treat pregnant women like they're very fragile. Uh, and then we just, we run 
postpartum moms into the ground. Like you should get your body back. Like you got to get your butt moving. Like you got to get motivated and it should completely be the opposite. When you are pregnant, you are a freaking superhero. You know, you got all this extra blood pumping. Like you literally are a superhero. And then postpartum is when we really need that slowdown. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I got so passionate about working with, with BirthFit, which is a very holistic approach to this whole motherhood transition, um, but specifically from their fitness perspective, because it's just very evidence-based and amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about nutrition um, and we go over like the, you know, there's so many trends, keto and paleo and all the things. And uh, we talk about what is most evidence-based specific to fertility for both partners uh, we go over, you know, how we go over hormones and I really want women to understand how their cycles work and what the different hormones mean. Like you mentioned earlier, that's super important uh, because one of the things that I spend a lot of time educating patients about is, is cycle tracking. <laughs> so even when we have all the apps and all the stuff, like it, it's confusing. Uh, so just to have kind of a little basic knowledge of that. I also go into preconception labs and, um, one of the, the most common things that I hear from patients who end up seeing me is that their provider won't order certain labs and that's really frustrating. So we go over kind of the ones that I would normally order from a functional medicine perspective and then also options for ordering because there are options to self-order now, which is really cool. Patients can do that for themselves and there's just a lot of really great resources for that and um, it ends up a lot of times being less expensive than if you were to try to go through your provider and through insurance. Um, but I think that one is a really big one too. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I, I just started going to a functional medicine doctor for you know, these kinds of reasons and just feeling like I wanted a more holistic approach. And I also wanted a, a more relational approach with my care provider. Um, and she's a nurse practitioner here in this area. She's in Nolensville. And it is really fascinating to get to the point where you can actually step back and get a full body look at um, what's going on within you and doing all the labs and figuring out, okay, where are my hormone levels? Where are my levels on iron? Where are my levels on vitamin D and all these different things so just kind of to, so that you can then approach and have an educated approach on what supplements you're taking and how you're caring for your body and what you're eating and um, I think it's amazing that you're bringing that to, to people in a way that they can consume it at their own pace online. That's, that's awesome. I know that um, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, one of my friends said she was carrying like a chair or a table or something for an event and um, she was pregnant and someone was like, don't, you know, let me take that from you. You're pregnant. And she was like, I'm, pr I'm pregnant. I'm not broken. Like, yes, that is exactly, that's exactly it. Like we are pregnant. We're not broken. And I remember, um, in, in both of my pregnancies, specifically with my son, cause I was way more active with my son. I did CrossFit through the whole thing. And I remember how much more discipline it took to be healthy during pregnancy. Not because I didn't want to be, I wanted to be so healthy. I ate so good as I normally do. And I worked out so um, diligently as I normally did. And I wanted that to better prepare myself for birth and just to take care of myself and my, and my baby as well. But it was harder because society was telling me I didn't have to do it. Right. And when you're not pregnant, if you work out and you eat well, generally speaking, people are like, oh, cool, good for you. And then you get pregnant and people are like, oh, come on, eat all the extra calories. You're eating for two now. You can totally yeah. 
consume that. This is your chance to, to be lazy. This is your chance to um, eat a lot of ice cream. This is your chance to do all these things that are not good for your health. And so to make the effort to then be healthy is it's that much more challenging. Yeah. Which yeah. obviously, as you know, is completely backwards. One hundred percent. Yeah. It it is it is really, really, really crazy. And then again, but postpartum, God forbid you aren't back to your, you know, pre-baby weight within, you know, the first three months. And there it's just, I mean, that's the way it is and for everything that has anything to do with women. It's just such a double standard, but it, it is pretty incredible to see that. So yeah, we, we, again, the goal is really to implement some of those healthy habits because like you said, it was easy for you to do that stuff because you had already been doing it. Mm -hmm. So I love, I mean, the course is really designed to be done over six or seven weeks. I have some people that take a year to do it. And I have some people who do it in a week. I phase and strong. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if we can implement these things at least six weeks before we conceive, then it, it just makes all the difference. At least you have like a knowledge base, even if you haven't implemented everything, you sort of have that just general knowledge of here are the things that I really want to focus on or, or start working on as I transition into pregnancy and motherhood. Yeah, that's great. So one of the things that I know that you do is, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a new thing. I don't know, that might not be true, but I have never heard of it before, but you work with Mercier, Mercier therapy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I did not know what that was until I watched your Instagram videos on it. So fill us in on what that is and, and how it can help with preconception. Yeah. So I actually learned about Mercier from uh, a BirthFit podcast. So Jennifer Mercier is a certified nurse or certified professional midwife and a naturopath. And she practices just outside of Chicago. She, uh, I believe when she was get, doing like her naturopath work, she ended up going to massage school and she sort of developed this technique because she herself has really significant endometriosis. She was working with a lot of uh, couples struggling with infertility. And so she created this technique, which is called visceral manipulation, which sounds terrible, but it's essentially helping to manipulate the reproductive organs to encourage blood flow and optimal blood fl uh, flow and function. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely not a massage. Um, it <laughs> is very, very deep tissue work. So yeah, I would be like a deep tissue massage on your uterus and you uh, massage all those clots out after birth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, just very, you know, it's very, very intense. Um, so anyway, I had, I had been wanting to find a way to help treat patients using more of my hands. Like as a nurse practitioner, I, I mean, I, you put my hands on people to do assessments, but I don't necessarily, you know, do hands-on work. And that's something that I've really loved kind of with my fitness background. When I, when I get to work specifically with mamas, like I do a lot of hands-on adjustments and getting them to certain positions for exercise and for, you know, physical rehabilitation. So when I started looking more to Mercy, I was like, I think this would be a really great thing to incorporate, especially since I'm doing more preconception, and I'm naturally attracting more patients who are struggling with fertility. 
Uh, so I went up and did the training. It's a week-long training, pretty intensive. Um, part of it is that we practice on each other. And I had a C-section with my first baby. So um, this was very intense. I There were times I wanted to get up off the table because it was uncomfortable, but you're breaking up scar tissue. So that's going to be a little uncomfortable. But afterwards, just the feeling of like extra spaciousness, like in my pelvis and just this feeling of relief. It was it was really, really cool. And I think what people don't realize is that we store, you know, trauma and emotion and our scars and um, both with C-sections or with any other type of abdominal surgery, or maybe there's a history of sexual trauma or anything like that. And so when we start to manipulate these tissues and that gets released, like it is as much a physical release as it is emotional. And I have you know, women break down on my table in tears all the time, but it's so good for them to get that out. So it's, yeah, it's been really cool. Um, it was specifically developed to help improve pregnancy rates. So actually she started, I think she's been doing it for about seven years, but she started clinical studies on it five years ago or about six years ago now, I guess it was. Um, so in the studies that she has done so far, Mercier therapy along with IVF produces a pregnancy rate of about 86 to 87%, which wow. is huge. Yeah. Uh, IVF on its own, if you're under 35, has a 40% success rate. So if you can get that into the 80s, that's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. And then overall pregnancy rate, regardless of the underlying cause, is about 83%. Um, I haven't gone through and actually done the percentages uh, with our practice so far, and I've been doing this for about a year now, but I would say the vast majority have gotten pregnant. The ones who are actually using Mercier for pregnancy and not for, you know, managing other, other things. Uh, and it's been really, really, really cool to see, uh, the time to pregnancy is usually within a year of treatment. Um, but it's usually closer to six months for most people. And I have several patients who have had three treatments, which is half of the recommended amount. And they get pregnant and have to call me and say, okay, I got to save the rest of my sessions for postpartum because I'm pregnant. And that's, that's been really awesome. I'm fascinated by this. First of all, I 100% believe in like the healing power and storing trauma and being able to release that. Like, and I, so again, it sounds like similar to you. I, I've been pregnant three times. We miscarried our first. I had a C-section birth with my second, like my first birth. And then with my third, I had a V-back, fully natural. Both births were horrific to me. <laughs> I, I went into the first one thinking, this is going to be great. I prepared every way possible. I, you know, I ate well. I worked out well. I mentally like only spoke positive affirmations towards it. I did a 12-week Bradley Method course with my husband. We were like ready. And I was like, this is going to be great. We're not speaking anything else. It's going to be awesome. And uh, it was horrible. I was in transition for seven or eight hours. Um, ended up pushing for three hours and 45 minutes. Ended up in a C-section, which wasn't even on my radar, ignorantly. And then, you know, it was... And my body experienced so much pain in that seven or eight hour natural transition that I didn't realize <laughs> how traumatic it was until we unexpectedly, six months before we were planning on trying, got pregnant with my daughter. 
And all of a sudden I realized I had to do this again and was, I don't think I've ever been so terrified of anything in my life. Like I couldn't even let my, allow myself to think about giving birth again Mm -hmm. uh, because it would send me into a, a, an actual like panic attack. Yeah. And, um, again, so far from my normal personality and how I am. And I didn't even prepare myself for birth with her until like maybe six weeks out. And I was like, I guess I gotta, like, I gotta figure <laughs> this out because this is, it's going to happen. And yeah. we had a successful VBAC with her, which was awesome. And I got the natural birth I, <laughs> I thought I wanted. And, um, it was completely traumatic in its own way. She came super fast. She came super hard. She came, I mean, I, I bled almost to the point of needing, um, like some, a transfusion, I guess is what you would call it. She, it was just like the most aggressive thing. <laughs> and once again, I don't think I was, I don't think I prepared the right way or was it, I don't know. Like it, it just, it, both times I walked away and I was like, well, neither one was better than the other. It just, it was what it was. And we want more kids. And the idea of doing it again is terrifying. Yeah. Because uh, I did both and I didn't like either. And it was like, what's left? <laughs> and so I'm fascinated with, the, fascinated with the idea that you can, you can choose to undergo something like this and actually work through some of that trauma and be able to approach another birth in a healthier way even for someone who's not, who's, who's gone through it before, right? It's not just for people who haven't, um, who haven't conceived yet, which I just think is, it's, I'm just very, very interested right now. <laughs> you can absolutely use it for not getting pregnant. I have a patient who came to see me. Um, she had seen another functional medicine provider and done every test you could possibly imagine. And she was told she was in premature ovarian failure at, I think she's about 37. Um, and so typically when that happens, a lot of times it can be as a result of an autoimmune condition. And so, you know, when we don't have our hormones on board, especially early like that, uh, it can cause some significant health issues. You know, estrogen is really important for bone health and heart health. So the typical treatment just by your OB is going to be to put you on a bio or not a bioidentical, but a hormone replacement therapy. Um, and this particular patient didn't want that. Her mom had had breast cancer after going on hormone therapy and was really convinced that that would be her same fate if she did that. So, you know, she comes to me and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do on this woman. She's already had every test and doing all of the things and every, she's doing every supplement, you know, that I would normally do. And we just got to talking and I went ahead and I did her exam and I started mashing on her belly and I just felt her guarding. And I said, you know, what, you know, are you having some pain in your belly? Can you tell me more about that? Cause it was right over her uterus. And she said, well, no, I just, you know, I don't really like being touched. I was like, do you, you know, do you have a history of sexual trauma? And she shared that, you know, she had had some childhood experiences that were very traumatic and she'd gone through years of therapy for that. And then some really bad experiences as an adult as well. And she's always seen a therapist to kind of help work with that. Um, and I just said, you know, I really feel like we can, you're doing all the right things supplement wise, but this is the work that needs to be done. Like, let's explore this. And so like the first session I can like barely touch her. She's crying. 
it's horrible, but I just, you know, let her, let her do all that stuff. And then gradually each session we go a little bit deeper and she cries more, but lets it out and isn't trying to hold it in. And after three sessions, her period came back. And that was, I want to say that was like six months ago. So she's had a normal period since, and this was after not having a period for over six months. Um, yeah. So it's been really freaking cool to see like the power of the body. And when we just allow the body to reestablish that brain body connection, like amazing thing ha things happen. And with birth, like no matter how beautiful and wonderful your birth is, which mine have not been either. So I feel you. Um, I'm so terrified to do this again. Uh, I get it. Um, but birth is trauma. So our body protects us by shutting off those connections between our muscles and our brain. And so postpartum, one of the most important things is reestablishing that, especially before we get into movement. And that's a big emphasis in birth fit. But Mercier is a really, really cool way of reestablishing that connection, which is why it's so great, you know, especially postpartum. Yeah, that's fascinating. How do the physical or emotional traumas, be it sexual or something else, play a role in our, in preconception, maybe our inability to get pregnant or even in pregnancy and birth and how that plays out. So I definitely see, um, it's interesting. Like I'll put my hands on someone's belly and I can feel them just holding tension, like over their womb space because not even with just trauma, but for women in general, like what are we usually told about our bodies? Like our bodies are dirty. Like women are the center, you know, we're the centers of the world, all this horrible stuff that's been put on us. Well, not um, just the, the, um, fear that comes with sex for us. Yeah. You get, if you have sex, you will get pregnant, right. you know, pleasure is bad. Sensuality is bad. So we internalize all of that, all that negativity about our bodies. And then we just, we literally just guard that space by holding tension there. And so sometimes I will put my hands there and it will feel just like a rock. And so just starting to bring some space and some breath and some awareness to that space, like, like allows it to actually function the way that it should. And we start to like, let go of all that stuff that we've internalized. Um, I feel like that's a huge block for getting pregnant. Um, absolutely. So I think the connection and reestablishing that is everything for getting pregnant, but then also in birth, like I've seen women have a really hard time giving birth when they have any history of trauma, either their cervix won't dilate, or I had one mama who had a super, super quick labor. I mean, it was beautiful. And then she got to the hospital and like was complete and pushed for many hours and could not get the baby out because, but I could see that she wasn't really pushing. And I found out afterwards that she had had a history of trauma, which I had asked her about, but she just wasn't comfortable sharing. Um, and so, yeah, like when you then, you know, get put on your back in stirrups and there's, you know, people standing over you, that's gonna, that's absolutely going to make you relive some of those traumatic experiences, especially yeah. if haven't had an opportunity to work through that. Uh, so that's a really common thing. So most doulas and hopefully care providers are, are asking their patients and clients, you know, if that's been a part of their history and helping them with some resources to work through that, because it can absolutely interfere with birth. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never, honestly, I never would have even considered that. So obviously getting prepared preconception can really help 
with, with getting pregnant and our ability to get pregnant, it sounds like, which I can fully understand. How can it positively impact the actual birthing experience or the, the time that you were pregnant? Because that's, those aren't easy <laughs> as being you've experienced. Those are not easy feats either. Um, a lot of people do have a lot of um, challenges getting pregnant. And so getting prepared preconception is awesome for that. But what about the actual pregnancy and the, the big dreaded D-Day that <laughs> waits us all? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, especially from a physical standpoint, like if you're eating well, if you're moving your body, like that's going to help you gain a healthy amount of weight, which typically helps with birth outcomes now. Like I was like you, I checked all the boxes and did all the things and still had a really, really tough birth both times. But in general, that we know that exercise in particular, like for women who exercise like at a moderate pace, three times a week, 30 minutes, like they have shorter uh, labors, they don't have to push as long usually, um, and they just have birth outcomes that, um, you know, typically don't require a lot of intervention, which is great. Same thing, like nutritionally, like they, you know, if we're eating well throughout pregnancy, we're more likely to maintain a healthy weight. We're also more likely to recover better postpartum because you, I mean, pregnancy requires a huge amount of nutrients. Um, and then postpartum, you know, if you're breastfeeding, even if you're not breastfeeding, just the healing process from coming out of pregnancy um, is huge. And I, I really credit, you know, doing so well postpartum after my first given, I had a really traumatic, I was sick with him the whole pregnancy. It was a horrible pregnancy. I swear I'd never do it again. And then, you know, had a C-section just had a really hard time and it was, breastfeeding was all, all of his hard. And then I got pregnant at nine months postpartum with his little brother. <laughs> it's really hard, but, but I was very, I mean, I did a lot of nutrient testing at six weeks postpartum. I was very on it with my supplements. I took care of myself with really good nutritious food. And I really think that if I wouldn't have done that and then right into that next pregnancy, uh, and then I tandem nursed my babies, um, I think I would have died. Like there's just yeah. no way I would have survived that. Um, but I was very mindful of that. And again, that was because I had those habits in place early on. So, you know, I think all of those things are really helpful, but then also I think it gives you a good idea of like, here are the things that you can do that are in your control. Uh, and then the mindset piece really comes in is like, and there's a lot that's not in your control. And that is going to be one of the biggest lessons of motherhood is like, you think that all these things are in your control and then, you know, pregnancy and birth are really great at showing you like, oh no, sister. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's really what it comes down to is controlling the controllables. Cause I, I obviously, you know, did all the things right and still had a, a negative birth experience. But that was because my son was in the wrong position and we couldn't get him turned. So like, that wasn't something I could control, but I did all the things right for what I could. And had I been an, a person who had a kid that was in the right position, that birth probably would have gone pretty swimmingly well. Like, you know, assuming everything was right with the baby, which in my instance, my little boy was not. And I am continuously trying not to hold it against him for the rest of his life. Well, and I can guarantee you like that your recovery was so much better because you had worked on taking care of yourself through pregnancy. I guarantee you your recovery was better than someone who had not done that because recovery C-section is hard. It is yeah. so hard. Oh my gosh. I yeah. actually had, I had pretty good recoveries both times and I'm sure it was largely due to that. And um, not that I am someone who 
wants to push like getting your body back postpartum or any of that stuff to anyone. But I specifically remember like after having my son being able to get back into my regular like jeans, like a few weeks later. And it was like, it was just, I just, I think I was just so my body was toned and healthy and underneath that huge belly was muscle. <laughs> I, was, I was able to get back to feeling like myself again, which is really what it was all about for me. Yeah. Um, postpartum with him much quicker than after, after my daughter. Um, my daughter I did too, but it was, it was a little bit longer of a process because I wasn't as diligent about that because I was raising a two-year-old at the time. Yeah. So sure. um, I can definitely see where that, where that plays in. So if you could give women then listening to this, maybe like three things that would help themselves preconception, whether or not they've, they've had kids before, what are like the, the top three things that you would say that this is where to start? I think it's really, really helpful to find a provider that you really love and trust and have a good relationship with. And if you can have more of that relational experience with them, because really the patient should be in the driver's seat. It's not the provider's job to tell you what to do. It's to help educate you so you can make the decisions. If you can have that relationship established before you get pregnant, I think that is really, really helpful. Um, because it's, again, one less thing you have to worry about when you're pregnant. And then, you know, so many pregnancies result in an early miscarriage, like you shared, you know, you had a miscarriage with your first, I had a miscarriage with my first as well. And if you don't have a provider established, like you might not get support through that, which is so frustrating. There's not enough support for, for women who experience miscarriage. So I think finding a provider who really is in alignment with what you want. And I think, you know, along with that, starting to educate yourself about, you know, hospital birth versus home birth versus birth center. Do you want a midwife or do you want an OB? Midwives can provide well woman care as well. So they can do everything you need, you know, for your healthcare. So if you want to get established with them, you can do that. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, I think having those conversations with your partner about, Hey, I want to do this together. Like I want us to prepare our lives for this pregnancy together. And like, what can we do? Because your partner is going to give you like great accountability. Even now my, my husband and I are getting ready to go on a walk. He says like, you have to make me walk every day. I am so lazy this pregnancy. And so he's walking with me and that's great. And I think having those conversations beforehand, um, and then, yeah, I think number three is really like, for me, it was finding a community and resources local to me because we didn't have, um, we have no family here mm -hmm. in Nashville and like knowing who the doulas are and knowing who the chiropractors are who work with pregnancy and knowing who the providers are, all of those things. And also just knowing like, who's going to be your support system if you don't have, you know, family uh, close by, I think is really great because that's going to be where you're going to get a lot of your education as you go through this, this journey. And so you kind of want to have your, your tribe of people that can support you um, along the way. And that was something that I was really uh, diligent about before having babies. And I'm super grateful that I did that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, even if you have family around, like I know for my, my mom dealt with um, infertility uh, back in the day before there was any resources for them. And I always think like, man, what if it would have been now? Like, what if she would have had the resources that she has now? Cause I know that's something that still is, is um, just a hard thing for her to deal with, I guess, is just knowing that she never got to experience pregnancy and birth herself. Yeah. And 
I do think though, like even if, so, so when I was pregnant here with her, they were a tremendous amount of help, but not in the realm of knowing how to best handle pregnancy, how to best handle birth, how to, how to have that knowledge base. And I'm sure even with people who have parents that did have pregnancy and birth themselves, that doesn't mean that you're like all knowing in it and you're not an expert in it just because you've, you've endured it. So um, having those resources close by and, and knowing where to go for those things, um, I agree, is just so, so important. So that's awesome. People love to tell you their horror stories. They won't necessarily tell you the good stuff. Um, so like their advice can be very jaded. So I think it's really important to like get it from like unbiased source and like, you know, do more research for yourself versus just listening to your you know friends' horror stories about the emergency C-section she had to have and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I try really hard not to talk to like new moms about my birth stories. I'm like, have your kid, then we'll have a conversation. About it. <laughs> That's awesome. So where can people get connected with you then? And what services and businesses do you have that, that you can help people with these sorts of things? Yeah. So, um, I have a clinical practice, um, out of Nashville brain and body. So we have two chiropractors, myself, um, and a massage therapist on board. We're obviously a little abbreviated right now because of what's going on with COVID-19. Oh. Um, but I see patients for preconception visits. We do functional medicine. And then of course I do Mercier there. Um, I'm very active on Instagram at Britt E. Anderson is my handle and I like to share just a lot of free education on there. There's also links to um, my courses on there. And um, I have my own website, just BrittanyAnderson.net, so you can always connect with me there. Um, like I said, we did open a gym. It's not open right now because of the restrictions in Nashville, but it's called Praxis Strength. So at Praxis Strength, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and we're doing all kinds of free workout options. But that's where I do coaching specifically for women. Um, like I said, I like working with women prenatal and postpartum. That's kind of where I try to stay. And so I do actual fitness training uh, for them at our gym. And then right now virtually. So yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know you were specifically working with women. Um, honestly, yeah. in my head, I was hoping that was going to be the case, but I've never really heard of anyone that really hones in there with a gym. And so I think that's amazing. I don't, I don't like, I mean, no offense to the dudes. I, co I coached regular CrossFit for uh, a couple of years, but I just, really like working with mamas and that's where yeah. I want to stay. So we have other wonderful coaches who will coach everybody else and I'll stick with mamas. That's awesome. I love that. I'm, I can say without a doubt that we are going to be more connected over the next <laughs> couple of years as I get to the point of having another kid eventually once I'm ready for it. Um, huh. is getting to the point of, of dealing with the past trauma of the births and getting more prepared to have birth again. And then also finding someone who can really work with me specifically during that time, fitness wise and health wise. Um, I love it. That's actually, I found you originally through the birth fit connection. Awesome. And, um, I loved, I'd never heard of anything that dealt specifically with the fitness of mothers and caring mothers and, and postpartum mothers and all of that stuff. And I, I love it. So that's super cool. Yeah, and I'm excited awesome. to once everything opens up to go check out your guys' gym because that's right up my alley. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully in the next month, we will see how everything goes in Nashville. That is gym. Gym stuff is phase three. 
phase three. So the earliest we can open is like May 28th, I think. First May 28th. Yeah. Okay. Well, prayers for that then for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. And I know that um, our whole community is going to be super blessed by this. So um, I just, just very grateful for you and just want to say thank you big time. And um, it's always a blessing for me too, to be able to have these conversations and learn firsthand from people who have such specialized knowledge like you do. So thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And we'll, we'll talk again soon. I'm sure. All right. Sounds good. Have a good walk with your husband. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye.